we sang, He came to the earth that he created. And uh, just those few words really struck home. I realized that God the Son, living in a perfection that is way beyond anything we could describe, came to an earth which was less than perfect, breathed the very air that he created. And he then spent his life, gave it all, so that we could be here this morning, knowing that although there is so much imperfection around us, we're looking forward to a day, an hour, when we will step into the full glory of what he enjoys now, and we'll be with him forever. But he he gave up what he had in order to make a way for us to regain what we'd lost. What a saviour. It just fills my heart with gratitude and I'm just overawed to think of the degree of love and the, the willingness to sacrifice so that we might be the benefactors of that which our original parents had lost in the garden by their disobedience. Thank God for that. And uh, a few weeks ago, we spoke to you, I spoke to you on the divine connection because we, we're in the series, Life in the Spirit, and what a glorious life it is when we, we fully embrace life in the Spirit and all that it means for us. And uh, we have, over the weeks now, we've been hearing uh, the, the benefits of being a, a child of God and having the indwelling Holy Spirit with us because it makes available to us what normally would be beyond our reach. And when we spoke about the divine connection, we pointed out that because we have the third person of the Godhead dwelling in us, if you're born again, the third person of the Godhead dwells within us And then he has made available to us via his divine connection so much that it's almost beyond comprehension. And that is what faith is all about. It is for you and I to step into that. It won't automatically happen. It's available. But by faith, we've got to step into it. Faith is when you and I have a positive response to what God has already provided. Did you get that? Without faith, it is impossible to please God. Hebrews 11.6 So when we act in faith, we are responding in a positive way to what God's grace has already given us. And it is not so much what you and I have to do in order to get the Lord to do something for us. It is, it is mostly how we respond to what he's already done. That is faith. And so this series of life in the Spirit is a call to faith. To not just hear with ordinary ears and see with our natural eyes what's printed on paper 
but to, uh, by faith to embrace that God, I said God, has made available to you and I a level of living that is above the norm. Oh, I'm so glad a few of you got that. It is, it is living on a level where, where what God's word says we have, we believe it and embrace it. I, I, I'm telling you now, if you decide to go down that route, it's going to boggle your mind. In fact, it'll have to bypass your understanding. And you're going to have to lean on the validity of God's word with all of your spirit. And not our gray matter. Because it's beyond what we can comprehend. And so life in the Spirit is an exciting experience. We looked at a number of things on that that Sunday. And we we didn't quite get through it all. But uh, I, I would encourage you to not just listen to all the other teachings. But listen to what we have via this divine connection. These are glorious truths, and I promise you, if you'll embrace that and live by it, it will change your Christian walk. And so this morning, I want to dwell on Romans 8, verse 26. That, that is the scripture Mark asked me to look at. But uh, I, I, I would like us, when we get home, to, to read... From, from verse 18 all the way through to the end of that chapter to get the context of what Romans 8 and verse 26 is all about. Just very briefly, we, we have given to us here three occasions where groaning takes place. The first is creation or nature that groans. The second is, we groan. And the third is, the Holy Spirit himself groans. I want to read to you from the Passion Translation. I've really grown very fond of it. But let me read to you the three scriptures that refer to those three sources. First of all, creation or nature. Verse 22 of Romans 8. To this day we are aware of the universal agony and groaning of creation as if it were in the contractions of labor for childbirth. When you think of it, why should nature be groaning? It goes on to tell us that it's waiting for the redemption of God's people. It refers to God's sons, but it embraces the, the daughters of God as well. God's people. Nature, as we look at it today, sometimes takes our breath away. But can I remind you, it is a fallen nature. Yet despite that fact, there is so much beauty retained in it. I can only imagine what it must have been like before it was marred. By the fall. 
the sun sets, the sun rises, the lightning that dances across the sky, the thunder, the clouds, their shapes, the, uh, just so much, the animal kingdom that impacts us. And yet, it's not the perfection that it once had. Our passage tells us that there's a sell-by date to all of it. It refers to it as decaying. And then it also talks about us, you and I, that we groan. Verse 23, and again from the Passion Translation. And it's not just creation. We have, who have already experienced the first fruits of the Spirit, we also inwardly groan as we passionately long to experience our full status as God's sons and daughters, including our physical bodies being transformed. We're groaning. There are moments in life when we reach an extremity and we don't know how with our natural abilities to go beyond that in seeking for a solution. And the natural response is groaning. And then in verse 26, the Holy Spirit also groans. And in a similar way, the Holy Spirit takes hold of us in our human frailty to empower us in our weakness. For example, at times we don't even know how to pray or know the best things to ask for. But the Holy Spirit rises up within us to super intercede on our behalf, pleading to God with emotional sighs or groans, if you like, that are too deep for words to express. Have you ever dwelt on that verse and really had a good look at it? I learn from those verses, 18 to the end of the chapter, I, I learn something that, is, that I, I'm so grateful for. I've discovered that the greatest prayer partner I can ever have is the Holy Spirit. He steps in at some point and begins to passionately pray for me. The Apostle Paul in the early church, they understood this. And I'm going to read it from the NIV today. I really want you to get hold of this. Verse 26 and 27. In the same way, the Holy Spirit helps us in our weakness. We do not know what we ought to pray for, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groans that words cannot express. Wordless groans. And he, God the Father, who searches our hearts, knows the mind of the Spirit. Because the Spirit intercedes for God's people in accordance with the will of God. Wow. That's amazing, people. And I, I pray our, our eyes will be opened this morning. The eyes of our hearts will be opened to, to understand that something enormous is happening on our behalf. I'd like to take a look at some of the words in those two verses, verses 26 and 27. 
First of all, I'd like to, to dwell upon our weakness. The Spirit helps us in our weakness. It's translated as infirmities in the King James or frailty in some other translations. But it's pointing to a lack that we all have. We're able in our natural strength and abilities to, to gain a certain amount of ground, but we, we seem to run out of road at some point. And at that, that, that instant, in that instant, we need something beyond us to kick in on our behalf. We have weaknesses, we have limitations. And I'm sure we've got to those places at times where we've reached the extremity of our abilities. We know we don't have anything more to to contribute to the, the cause that we're fighting for. We need something more, something beyond us. And we've got to fully understand that we've reached that place where we're doing battle with the world. We're doing battle with our flesh. We're doing battle with evil, the devil and his demons. We've reached the extremities of of our abilities And the time of testing is upon us. And the cry from our hearts is, Help, Lord. Help. Most of us have turned to prayer at some time or another. We face one or another problem. We, 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 we We need intervention. Maybe it's been the loss of a loved one. And uh, we're broken. We, we, we know there's nothing we can do to, to change the situation. Maybe it's the, the report we've received from the doctor. And it's not a good report at all about our, our physical well-being. We feel knocked down. We lose hope. We feel defeated. And confusion comes rolling in. Anxiety takes hold of our our hearts and our thoughts if we're not careful. And we find ourselves in that place where we've had an expectation, but it doesn't quite kick in. We haven't quite experienced it. The womb of our expectancy has gone full term. And we haven't been able to give birth to what that expectancy is. We've reached out to God in prayer. We've tried to compose some kind of of prayer that would bring us help or healing or deliverance or release. Once we're saved, the passage makes it very clear to us that hope, hope for our redemption, is, is part of being the value of being saved. We have a right to hope for our redemption. 
Hope is not a mirage. Hope is part of faith. We hope for what we do not yet have. And hope is good. Biblical hope is good. It's more than just, I hope so. It's I hope in what I know is possible for me. And so that's the kind of hope that that is referred to in this passage. We we come with with a hope that is not just kumsi, kumsa. Maybe it'll happen. It's not that kind of hope. It is hope invested in something and someone that is beyond what is naturally our lot. We need the Holy Spirit's help because there are those moments when we are just so weak. That word weakness in the original language carries with it the idea that physically or mentally or emotionally or even spiritually we are exhausted. And the Apostle Paul knew what these weaknesses were all about because he speaks about them in the first person. Our weaknesses, our frailties. I also love to look at the fact that it speaks about in those circumstances there is something that comes from deep within us that he refers to as groanings. Groanings in words that can't be expressed. The Holy Spirit prays what our rational minds cannot produce. The Holy Spirit takes hold of our our groaning and gives them a stature that fills in all that we lack when we try and put it into words or thoughts. Instead of treating us like feeble weaklings, he knows exactly what we need. And he takes that sighing, that groaning, and he interprets it perfectly. Life in the Spirit. It's got nothing to do with our rhetoric or our eloquence. But it has everything to do when we come before God and it's the, the fervency and the, the passion of what is inside us that, that we cannot express in a natural language. We, we groan it out to God. He interprets it perfectly. Thank God. The Holy Spirit interprets the groans of our inner being perfectly. The Holy Spirit helps us, it goes on to say, 
And that word helps us in our infirmities, helps us. It does not adequately express the meaning. We have to get hold of a concordance and uh, a lexicon or two and, and look into it. Because it brings to us plain and simply the idea that the Holy Spirit begins to work on our behalf and it is as if the hands of God himself reach down into our circumstances and takes hold of it and lifts it up and begins to work on it and bring shape and form and life to what was chaotic and useless. Wow. That's amazing, people. He helps us. By God reaching down, it is heaven coming down and grabbing hold of earth and bringing it into a realm where God's possibilities become reality. He helps us. And as you dig into that word in the original language, here we are with this infirmity, this, this, this inability, and it's a weight upon us. It's, it's, it's causing us to buckle at the knees. And if we don't get help, we're going to go flat on our faces. But the meaning comes in that the Holy Spirit... And by his helping us, he gets in under that burden and he lifts it for us. Metaphorically, it's painting a picture of help given to a helpless baby. Of how we would sometimes take a, a spoon of water and put it on somebody's lips who can't drink for themselves. Or feeding someone who is so ill they can't lift a hand to do it for themselves. He comes in under that burden and he lifts it and helps us. He's doing the proper work of an advocate. The Bible tells us that Jesus is our advocate in heaven. But what Jesus is in heaven, the Holy Spirit is to us on earth. Life in the Spirit. When we can't find the words... The Holy Spirit expresses the burden to the Father with absolute accuracy. He groans. Now, I don't profess to understand that. But that's what it says. He groans. And although I... I understand that there's a dimension of speaking in a heavenly language, glossolalia, speaking in 
tongues, that there's a dimension of that where it by, bypasses our understanding and the Holy Spirit prays for us. Looking at this verse, it's not really talking about speaking in our heavenly language. Because it clearly says it's a groaning that words cannot express. And if you're speaking in your heavenly language, you're speaking in words. To me, that is awesome. I mean, what could be better than a heavenly language? Where you're speaking to God and you're speaking your innermost yet inarticulate thoughts and words. You're you're giving it to God. It's it's not formulated in the old brain box. It's, It's formulated deep within the Spirit, by the Spirit, Holy Spirit's help, and you express it to God. Great stuff. Oh, I'm so glad I'm a charismatic. But this is talking about groanings that words cannot express. As I said earlier on, it can also be translated as size. And there were a number of times when Jesus sighed. A little bit of homework for you. Go check it out and see the occasions where he sighed. Sometimes it was when he faced mountains of unbelief from an ungrateful world. And he sighed. I, I wonder if, if it was something to do with Romans eight twenty six. But it does say that when we aren't sure how to pray, the Holy Spirit intercedes for us with groanings that express the perfect will of God. Look, I don't understand that. But that's what I read in God's Word, and that's what I embrace, and I'm grateful for it. Verse 27, And he, God the Father, who searches our hearts, knows the mind of the Spirit, because the Spirit intercedes for God's people in accordance with the will of God. And you can't get anything better than that. I'm not praying my bias, my prejudice. I'm not praying, you know, the, uh, from the limitations of my mind. I, no, when, 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 when the Holy Spirit steps in, my groans become his groans, my sighs, his, he prays the perfect will of God. Let me read it to you from the Passion Translation. Verse 27 says this, God, the searcher of the heart, knows fully our longing. Yet he also understands the desires of the Holy Spirit because the Holy Spirit passionately pleads before God for us, we, his holy ones, on our behalf, in perfect harmony with God's plan and our destiny. (laughs) Oh, wow. 
Did you hear that this side? Then let me hear an amen. In perfect harmony with God's plan for our lives and our destiny. Whatever has brought you to that place where you're down on your knees, that is not the end. The indwelling life of the, the, the Holy Spirit rises up to a stature beyond our comprehension and he begins to step into the breach and pray on our behalf in a way that will unlock the dead end and give us a future. This is a wonderful promise of God, dear ones. Because as we go through life, we will face many situations where we simply don't know how to pray. In those moments, God the Holy Spirit is praying for us. And I say it again, I don't, I don't know how this happens. All I know is that it is a ministry that goes on in heaven between the Spirit and the Father. What an encouragement. I don't know, you know, I don't need to know how, how, how it's done. I just need to embrace by faith the fact that it happens. God hears the groanings that we cannot put into words. And I want to close with this. Our confidence is in verse 27. And he who searches our hearts, God the Father who searches our hearts, knows the mind of the Spirit. What's the value of that? Because we're indwelt by the Spirit. And the Spirit reads us perfectly, even if we don't understand ourselves perfectly. He reads us and God the Father understands the indwelling, the mind of the indwelling Holy Spirit because the Spirit intercedes for the saints in accordance with God's will. How do we know that God hears those inarticulate groanings that rise up from deep within us? Verse 27 says, God constantly searches our hearts. God who searches our hearts. Because the Father knows what the Spirit is thinking. There is perfect intimacy and harmony with the Holy Spirit He and the Father don't differ at all. There's no contradiction between the Spirit in our hearts and the Father in heaven. When the Spirit intercedes for us, He always intercedes according to the will of God. There is a great encouragement here in this text. And it's very easy to miss it, to to, to just gloss over it. Very easy, but 
let me, let me try and unpack it for you very quickly here. When weakness strips away the mask of self-sufficiency, we can identify with masks, can't we? But when he strips that away, and, and, and our utter helplessness is displayed... The Holy Spirit, the paraclete, the comforter, the counselor, the one who, who, who's just like Jesus being with us, comes alongside us to help us in our need. Now get this, you, you've got to hear this. God the Holy Spirit, who is the third person of the Godhead, Praise to God the Father, who is the first person of the Godhead. In the name of God the Son, who is the second person of the Godhead. So that what we have is God praying to God in the name of God for God's people. That's enormous. Oh, how I wish you were more liberated. (laughs) Folks, when we see these truths and they resonate within us, no wonder some people end up on their chairs praising God. No wonder we raise hands. No wonder we say, thank you, Jesus that you made us part of the plan of salvation. What an amazing thought. I'm wrapping it up. In our weaknesses, when we feel desperate about things that truly matter to us and we don't know what to say, and all we can cry out is, Oh, God! Jesus, help me, Lord, mercy. And we don't know what to do beyond that. The assurance is, don't worry. What you've just expressed is enough because there is someone who takes hold of it and is praying for you. Paul acknowledges that Jesus is in heaven praying for us. You'll see that in verse 34, I think it is, of that same chapter. But here, in verse 26 and 27, he's taken it a step further and brought it home to us. When you come to that moment of complete exhaustion, And you can no longer find the words. You don't have to worry. The third person of the Godhead comes swooping in under that burden and lifts it for you. And he begins to pray for you. And when you cannot speak, he speaks for you. When we lean against the wall of desperation... God, I don't know what to say. Lord, I don't know 
how to pray, the Holy Spirit comes alongside and says, don't worry, I'll pray for you. And he does. Let's pray. Lord, where do we begin to say thank you? Unless it is revealed to us by your Spirit, unless you, you open the door and shine the light into our lack of understanding, we'll not get hold of this. But you've written it in your Word and you've told us that there's a part of you that comes in powerfully, mightily, without fail to step in when we feel we've reached our extremity. We can't take it any further. You come in and you make available to us life in the Spirit. You make available to us a prayer dimension and a prayer partner that is, that is just beyond, beyond our ability to to say thank you, Lord, words fail us to know that the Holy Spirit, the third person of the Godhead, who dwells in us, will in those moments of absolute loss step in. When our minds are numb and cannot formulate anything, when our emotions are, are almost depleted, we're so, we're so desperate, we don't know what to do, how to do it. You understand our groaning and our sighing, and you do something that is uniquely God. You intercede for us with groanings that cannot be expressed in words. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Help us to walk in the fullness of what you've made available to us by your Spirit, that we may know that we've entered the promised land by the death and resurrection of Jesus. Yes, there are giants in the land, but we can overcome them because we partner with you. You become the chief partner and, and we just hold on to your hands, so to speak, and you take us through. We go from victory to victory, from faith to faith. That is our prayer this morning. We don't want to miss you, Lord. We want to be right there with you. Step by step, deeper into the things of God. Because, Lord, there are many in your church who need to see the example. And there's a desperate world who doesn't know what to do. And they're crazy in their attempts to find the solution. But help us to stand out like a light upon a hill that we may demonstrate what we have in and through Jesus, our Lord and Savior.
Amen. Amen.